Guilt and shame are twins, born in the garden, only moments apart, but they aren't identical. Hello, hello, and welcome to the All of Life show. This is episode 111, and we have a very special guest today. I am your host, Stuart White, by the way. Normally, my wife, Alicia, would be here with me. But uh, tonight, Alicia is out, and we have a friend of mine, Pastor Brett Anderson. He pastors a church here in Redmond, Oregon, where we live. And uh, the name of that church is Redeemer's Church. And uh, occasionally, we fill in leading worship there from time to time. Absolutely. Always thankful for that, Stu. Yeah. Glad to glad to do it. Uh, really glad that you are able to join us here tonight. And um, how have you been? Dude, been real good. Yeah. Things uh, in my life um, just coming at me real fast right now, um, but really thankful for uh, what God is doing in our church, what God is doing in my life personally, what he's showing me, teaching me, uh, revealing in my own heart, uh, which is always painful. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But you know that, right? It's, it's like the best type of pain and the worst at the same time. Like you're like, I need that mirror exposing me, but at the same time you're like, I don't like it. I'd rather not look. (laughs) Yeah. I don't want to (laughs) look. Yeah. Being faced with the reality of, of our own brokenness, no matter how many times we do it, it just seems like every time it's like, Oh, again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you and I were chatting a while back and uh, kind of had the idea, like, come on the show. Let's mm-hmm. let's do an episode with you. And um, you had an idea, actually, of a topic that you wanted to maybe broach. And uh, do you recall what that man, was? I, I do, man. Uh, I want to talk about guilt and shame oh, or, yeah. or guilt versus shame. Uh, I think just a little bit of a background on me. Uh, before we planted Redeemer's Church Redmond uh, six and a half years ago now, uh, I was serving as an associate pastor at the Fellowship of Bend, and we had uh, brought in at the time Redemption Group, which you were part of. Fun times, Yeah, that was great. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good way to get to know somebody. Yeah. Speaking and, of having the mirror. <laughs> uh, right, right. And uh, one of the things that I began to realize uh, there, and, and maybe um, like a slow progression realizing this, is uh, people would come in and they uh, always had a lot of guilt and and they wanted to get things off their chest. They wanted to talk about things. Uh, but this aspect of shame was something that was a little bit more difficult for Christians to grasp, to understand, uh, to really uh, process through. And so I've always lumped those in a short segment of a sentence together, guilt and shame, mm. and put those together. And um there's a man by the name of Dan DeWitt and he said, guilt and shame are twins born in the garden, only moments apart, but they aren't identical. Hmm. Oh man. That, I feel like there's a lot to that. Like unpack that for us for a second there. (laughs) (laughs) Just putting you on the spot. Well, well, man, uh, first of all, absolutely love uh, the Genesis narrative and just that narrative that connects us to the larger narrative of the scriptures. And we learn so much about ourselves from the garden story in Genesis. And we see where God plants a garden and plants man in that garden. And man chooses his rebellion. Uh, There, Adam and Eve, humanity Mm -hmm. chooses the rebellion over God. And immediately uh, we begin to see a lot of the 
fallout and the ramifications uh, of their rebellion. They're rejecting God's way, thinking that maybe their way is better, being enticed, being tempted, whatever you want to yeah. go and say in that, that aspect. And it talks about how they're in that moment that uh, Adam and Eve realized that uh, before they were naked and unashamed, they're in the garden uh, before the fall. And just speaking of this absolute openness and honesty and the relationship that they had with one another and with God before them as well. However, once that fall happens, uh, they realize their nakedness and they seek to clothe themselves. And Mm. so they immediately feel that guilt from the wrongdoing, from the prohibition that God had set up. Hey, don't, don't eat of that tree. Right. Yeah. And, and so they feel that guilt, there's something wrong and they know it. Uh, but then you begin to see them cover themselves because of shame. Mm-hmm. And though these two things often get lumped together in a quick phrase, they kind of can go hand in hand at times. Um, and we want to just throw them in. They, they are, they're twins born in the garden, only moments apart. Yeah. And, and so, uh, they aren't identical though. Yeah. It's so, it's, when you first had talked about this idea of this topic of guilt and shame, it was so like, I don't think there was any coaxing on my part or any, any sort of leading you into that topic, oh, no. but it, it fits so perfectly in what I feel God was showing us and what mm-hmm. even things that we have been going through and experiencing, uh, even and topics like we recently did a book review for uh, Gary Thomas, his book, uh, when to walk away and, and it's freedom from toxic people and, um, talked about how like a lot of that deals with, uh, what, you know, popular psychology and other things like that, uh, would call narcissism or borderline mm-hmm. personality and these types of things. And, um, just realizing like, I, I had never thought about this, but a lot of the experts in that, they will say at the core of those people who, and really like we all are prone to this, but, but it's like, a it's almost like a, a malfunction of doubling down on it, you know, mm-hmm. on, on the brokenness and the core of them is incredible sense of shame that they have mm-hmm. no means of dealing with. And so instead of ever feeling free to be vulnerable and to be honest and real with people, mm-hmm. it ends up being the thing that they fight and hide. And so they're constantly trying to get outside influence to tell them Oh, you're, you're great. You're amazing. And then they end up turning on people and, and the darkness and the brokenness within them, they end up projecting that onto everybody Mm -hmm. else around them because they never live up to, to really what they're looking for is somebody to be, um, to tell them that they're okay, but they're a human being can never meet that Mm -hmm. area where Christ can only, you know, heal. Well, the problem with that and, and what you're saying is so, so crucial They they want another human being, someone outside themselves to tell them that, that they're okay. Yeah. And, um, you can all day look at a mirror and say, man, I'm great. Yeah. I'm wonderful. But you know, deep down your brokenness, you know, your wickedness, and we all need something or someone bigger than us outside of us to tell us our identity, really to tell Mm -hmm. us who we are and who we belong to. And so shame has a way of trying to um, poorly tell us who we are and to uh, really devour us and Mm -hmm. to wreck us and to ruin us. And I think honestly, you get this uh, scene in our lives where we understand sin we understand this idea first and foremost of guilt usually tied to an event is something bad that I have done, you know? So we all have those moments, whether it's the kid breaking the window 
mm-hmm. with a baseball. Uh, when, <laughs> when I was a uh, man, uh, I was in the third, fourth grade and we were getting into golfing and oh. I lived by a school and we took our golf clubs to the big football field at the school. And you know, when you're like 11 years old, uh, your brain just doesn't no. work the yeah. way it ought to. And so we started making these long drives across the field and until we heard a window shatter. Oh, and, no. And yeah, we ran. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're out there listening, you know, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but we knew immediately, immediately we were guilty. There's just this moment in time um, where we know that. And, and guilt is the wound. Shame is the scar. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That uh, You're right, though, because like... W- on the one hand, it's like, you know, you've done something, but then on the other, on the other hand, you may have shame that even people are, it's imposed on you mm-hmm. and you, you haven't done anything, but you feel this burden of intense, you know, shame upon yourself. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's, yeah. It, it, I, I see like, as you're making that distinction is that, that quote that you read, you know, yeah. they're born seconds apart, but they're not the same thing. Yeah. And, and so when you, when you do something wrong, you feel that sense of, of guilt, uh, but then shame's the reason you need to hide. Mm. Shame's the reason you run to isolation. Yeah. Uh, shame is the reason that we feel pushed away when it comes to specific or certain sins, even within the church, mm-hmm. you know, where, um, particularly in that area of like sexual sin, mm-hmm. um, and with such a struggle and temptation for so many, and then there's just embarrassment. And we really wonder, uh, as we hear about the gospel of grace and the goodness of Jesus, is there really a place for me if yeah. I struggle with this? Is this really good news? Can it really be true? Can it really, can it really be true? And so what, what Christians have done a pretty good job of is they've understood guilt and that judicial sense, you know, that we've broken God's law in some way. And we've heard sermon after sermon after sermon of, hey, you don't measure up and here's God's standards and you've broken it. And it paints a picture of our lostness. And I feel that Christians really do grasp this idea of uh, guilt, a sentence that's been placed upon your own life, upon humanity. And then we understand God's substitutionary atonement and that we're forgiven, but we don't really know where to go after that, man. Mm Mm-hmm. Like we just struggle then with the ramifications or with the fallout. And one of the ways I've kind of liked to talk about this, even in our own church is take somebody who um, is a drunk driver and they get pulled over and they're the, obviously the cop has got to issue the ticket and there's a lot of things that come after that. And, and so right. uh, they have to pay a fine. They have to stand before a judge. There might be a diversion course that they choose to go to. And so once that's done, the guilt has been paid for, Right. But then there's this aspect of shame when, hey, I need to get rides from you because I can't drive anymore. Mm. Why can't you drive? Or I got to blow into this to start my car. Mm. Why? Well, this happened to me. And so what gets thrust on you? This identity that you're a maybe a drunk, Mm -hmm. this identity of you're not a good human, you're not these certain things. And so that becomes an identity or, or a badge that we begin to where and the question is is how is that dealt with yeah like how, how do we cast that off of ourselves or, or who casts that off of us and, and how does that part how does that actually take place in our lives right i, th- I think uh, something i I've, I've had a lot of thoughts around this sort of thing but the thing that i think i see right now in our culture at least in our american culture but i think it's it's fairly global now in most of like the first world countries mm-hmm. is 
it, instead of saying, oh, the shame, this shameful act or the shameful identity, this, this sort of thing, it, it literally becomes embraced instead as an identity. Like mm-hmm. the, the very thing that inside them, they know something is broken, but now it's like, no, that that's who you are. Mm-hmm. And so it, where years ago, it may have been something that was grievous to them. Now mm-hmm. it's celebrated. Now, whatever that particular action is, you know, mm-hmm. it could be anything like it, literally nothing is off the table anymore. Mm-hmm. Your, your identity is in the way that you are shaming yourself, mm-hmm. but you feel like, Oh, the, the problem is, is that people are the ones shaming me. Mm-hmm. And as long as I can just stand up and, and be proud about what I've done, then, then I will be free of the shame that is actually inside of me. <laughs> Absolutely. Or it's this kind of idea like if you want to know me, um, know this part of me then, and this is just who I am and accept it. And we mm-hmm. end up uh, minimizing maybe even the wrongdoing that we have done, or we just kind of push it off and cast it off ourselves and just say, accept this is who I am and I am not going to change. And so shame has deceived us. It's mm-hmm. told us this is who you are. And we bought into this narrative or the script of culture that says you, you are your thing that you do. Like yeah. That's, that's who you actually are. And Christians to some point have even bought into this idea. Like mm-hmm. we've just allowed the world to define terms. Uh, we've allowed culture to define terms for us on all sorts of different areas that, that is being depicted in our world today. Right. And so the best thing we can do as followers of Jesus is get back to what does, what does scripture, who does scripture say that I am? Mm-hmm. And then also, how did God deal with the fallout and what we have done in rebellion towards him? And so that comes back down to that idea of, well, we understand that Christ paid, that Christ died, but what we forget, we neglect, or we choose to not want to really receive, accept, is that he then calls us sons and daughters, that he adopts us into the family. Yeah. He's actually giving you a new identity, and you're not to be defined by the shame that's been thrown upon you. Yeah. I know I, I know. there's been kind of this movement of sorts in some, some of the church where, you know, it, it, I'm not one to say, oh, well, I don't even sin anymore. Mm-hmm. I think that's not accurate. That's not yeah. biblical. But my identity, I don't, I choose not to identify as sinner anymore. In fact, as I continue to say, oh, I'm just a terrible, horrible sinner saved by grace. While it is true that that is what I was, Mm -hmm. that is not where I'm supposed to stay. And instead, I should be identifying as, like you said, I'm a son or you're a daughter or you you literally have been given a new name, a new personhood. You're you're, uh, adopted into the kingdom of God but what I think I see a lot of is, and some of it is because all that's preached is the rottenness of everybody every single week, Yeah, which I do think like you have to be preaching against sin, but you also have to be like, and guess what? You, you can do nothing about it. You mm-hmm. can't change yourself. Mm-hmm. Only Christ can change you. And here's the good news. He's, he's done that through, mm-hmm. through his death on the cross and his resurrection and the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, being poured out upon you. So are you walking in it? How do you walk in that? Like, that, that I think is the big wrestling thing. Like you were saying, we, we get the guilt taken away, perhaps the, the not guilty verdict is given, but then we are still left with this, well, I have these thoughts or I have these actions or these secret things that I still feel inclined to do. Mm-hmm. How do I, how do I address that? What, what's the solution, you know? And, and what you have is the outside world is telling everybody, 
Well, the reason you have those thoughts or those actions is because that's what you really are. That's what you really want. And that's, that's where your identity lies. And what the lie that's being told to you is that you can change or that there is a God or whatever, you know, they, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's really hopeless actually. Mm-hmm. And, and just, it seems all so trivial, you know, like there's, there is no point. There is no truth. There is no hope. There's no, it's, it's all meaningless. Mm-hmm. I, I Totally, totally grasp that and understand that. And then that's what ultimately bogs so many people down and they just feel, they feel hopeless. Mm-hmm. They feel hopeless. And when we begin to see how um, through the cross and have this cruciform look of life, we see how Jesus has actually changed us. I mean, look at the scripture in Second Corinthians where Paul writes that uh, you are now a new creation in Christ. All things are passed away. All things are made new. I mean, this is what he declares about you, Mm -hmm. this newness of life. And every time that I want to just kind of grab that shame identity from some sin that I have previously done, am doing, um, and I want to cloak myself in that, uh, that's actually a wrong thought process to have because that is not who I am. Who am I in Christ? I am justified. I am righteous. I am holy. I am am who Christ declares me to be, not what this sin is. Uh, wants me to believe that I am. Mm. And so we're then to follow after, serve, walk in Christ. But it's so difficult when you are in the moment and you feel that overwhelming sense of guilt and then a loving brother or sister, hopefully they come alongside of you and encourage you. But now you're feeling these bad feelings and those bad feelings do begin to direct our emotions. They begin to direct our thinking. They direct how we treat other people. Mm -hmm. And so when we do that, we're buying into, well, this sin is who I am. Mm -hmm. But that's not what God has declared. Yeah. It's so funny too. You, you bring this up. We recently, we posted on our podcast, Facebook page, uh, this whole thing of just like how every day we really need, not just every day, probably every moment of every day, we constantly have these opportunities where we need to be reminded of our true identity in Christ. Like mm-hmm. I, have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. My life is hid with him, you know, like, is it mm-hmm. we sing about, um, recognizing like every moment I have these, this proclivity to forget mm-hmm. who I am. And when I do that, you can almost guarantee sin is around the corner in some way. It's like it's like it in uh, Genesis when uh, he says to Cain, like it's it's crouching at the mm-hmm. door. You know, it's it's looking for you to devour you. That that is, I think, what we all have, and we keep forgetting that. You know, and I think it's just like all of life, really. Yeah. <laughs> to borrow the term, you know, it's it's live before the face of God, and it's this constant. Oh yeah. That's who I am. Like we have the worst case of short-term memory loss mm-hmm. yeah. ever. You know, we, we forget. Well, and yeah, absolutely. And and one of the things, and I don't want to s- switch it too much, but what I want to do is, is is move towards this idea of Go for it. Um, what do we do? You yeah. Know, what I, is the answer? I, I, I look out there and I'm like, shoot, we're killing it with guilt. Like, and I mean mm-hmm. that in the way, like we understand that Christ paid for it. We, we put that post in the ground. We fly that flag and we're pumped about it. Like mm-hmm. Jesus has freed us. The punishment has been dealt with. It is paid for, but we still have this um, identity issue that we're kind of like lapsing mm-hmm. <laughs> in and out of at mm-hmm. times. Um, and though there's no identity crisis with God, he knows who we are. He sees us after Christ. He sees us as righteous. We wrestle and we struggle. And so uh, one of the things that, um, 
hopefully can be of help is, yeah, understand who you are in Christ, but sin drives us to isolation. Yeah. So guilt drives us to isolation. So how are we then to get out of that? How are we to get to this place where we're not speaking those lies to ourselves? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a huge aspect of that is actually community. And when we look through the scriptures, uh, I just want to like point to a few instances where Jesus responds to yeah, what we absolutely. would consider some of the most shameful situations on the face of the planet. And you're probably familiar with the story, John 4. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is away from his disciples. He's at a well and he sees a Samaritan woman. Um, and I mean, Samaritans are so hated by Jews. She is stunned. She is shocked. Like who, what is this rabbi doing here? Right. Mm -hmm. And they begin to have this conversation and the conversation is one of the most embarrassing conversations that you could have. And what you find in it though, is some things that we actually do when these, um, things that we're guilty of and we sort of want to hide because we are shameful of them. So as she begins to uh, talk with Jesus, they begin to talk about living water. And he talks about how he's got this living water to give her. And, you know, if she would just drink of it and they have this conversation and, and part of that conversation, uh, the story comes out that um, she's not married, but she's mm-hmm. been married how many times? Five. Five. Yeah. And the man she's living with right now, not her husband, not her husband. She's in a situation where um, she, she needs somebody to provide for her. So she's exchanging what she has to give him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for, you know, what he can then give her. And it is downright shameful, right? Yeah. Right? And what does Jesus do? Well, this woman, she wants to talk about spiritual things. So often, and especially with men, they want to divert the conversation. You know, you start to talk about something real um, and issues, and, and they're like, man, I don't, this is shameful. I don't want to bring this stuff up. They want to run into isolation. So let's just talk about spiritual things or maybe some go surfacey, but that's always, yeah. you know, just the guys like they, they want to talk about something spiritual to seem deep, to yeah. seem like there's something more to them. And often they're, they're avoiding yeah. what's really going on in their hearts. It's like the spiritual equivalent of talking about the weather. <laughs> exactly. Like, well, brother, what are you learning in the word today? Mm-hmm. And they kind of flip that on you and yeah. you're like, man, I think I was getting somewhere with them. And often, uh, when the situations arise, our, our antennas need to go up, mm-hmm. you know, like how is this, how is this person actually doing? And, and what we see Jesus do though, is he doesn't shame her. Right. He doesn't shame her, does yeah. he? Even though he knows all about her. Yeah. He speaks truth to her, mm-hmm. but he doesn't shame her. And he doesn't say, well, you better go break it off with the man. Then you can come back and repent. He begins to address her and care for her and dialogue with her. He is dealing with um, her needs and he's confronting her lovingly. Right. And I don't know if we've always done the best job of that. You know, like I grew up a youth group kid. And when you found out somebody else was sinning, you're like, oh, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) you better knock that off. Yeah. And, and so we, we can embarrass, we can um, shame others. And we've done a really, really poor job of this so often. And Jesus comes and he confronts her in this lovingly kind of way. And when we were in redemption group, we use this idea when somebody kind of bears their soul and talks about their guilt, what do we say? They've, um, in a sense, undressed themselves, Mm -hmm. which is like the most open, honest, as you're naked and bare before somebody in a, you know, way that is just this is who I am. We always talk about reclothing somebody. Mm. Why do you think we do that? We're addressing the shame and the feelings of shame that they might have for everything that they just shared with us. Yeah. You know, when somebody confesses and repents, we're not acknowledging and saying, Oh, 
dude, it's cool. Like God is so good with what you just did like that. Don't worry about it. No, we want to address that. But we also look at them as a holistic human being who's probably got some fallout and some feelings and emotions. And so one of the best things that we can do is we can close somebody. So if there's somebody in your life that begins to share the things they're going through and you're like, dang, that's guilt. There's guilt in there. There's probably shame following that. The best thing I can do is remind them of who they are in Christ. Mm-hmm. That's first and foremost. You confront them, but you do it in a way that is lovingly and that you are able to really reach them where they're at in that moment. And so Jesus doesn't let this gal just talk about like, where do we worship at? Which mountain do the mm-hmm. Samaritans and who's right, who's wrong? He goes after her heart in that and he cultivates a relationship with her. And she goes back and it's like, I got to go tell him the man I'm living with and the rest of the village and they got to meet this guy, Jesus. And so you see that, you see another scenario in Luke seven with the sinful woman. Um, I mean, that's just how she's described. When you're described by your sin in the Bible, that's basically telling you this is the person's identity. This is, this is who everyone knows them as. Yeah. And so you're sitting there with these Pharisees and they're pretty upset that Jesus is hanging out with this sinful woman as she's washing his feet with her hair. And as he begins to address this woman, once again, he speaks words of you're forgiven, go your way and sin no more. Yeah. I mean, it just kind of blows my mind because so many times I would go left where he goes right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I know exactly how to do this. They're, they're so close. I'm going to get them to repent in this moment. I'm going to hit them with their sin. And they're going to yeah. see the gospel and see the goodness of Jesus. And he just loves and cares for this woman in that in that moment. Yeah. I love that picture. And I love the the idea of what he's doing is essentially like she's she's been laid bare and she's been clothed. Mm-hmm. And like you even said in the beginning that Genesis narrative, you know, you have Adam and Eve and they, they're hiding their guilt and shame and they hide it in these inferior garments that they've made of, mm-hmm. of that are just going to crumble and fall apart. And God, while there are consequences, he takes them and he makes clothes for them. He reclothes them and covers mm-hmm. them. And we know, you know, that that is a pointing to Jesus, that it's mm-hmm. literally taking a big arrow and saying, this is pointing to something in the future. Pay attention. Mm-hmm. And I love that picture because, again, every time that we have that encounter with somebody or ourselves even, where we're just like, yeah, I'm dirt, I'm lousy, whatever it is, you know, you you feel that brokenness and that weight of your sin. I mean, I know for a lot of men, it'll be like, I'm addicted to this, you know, pornography. I'm addicted to alcohol or, or whatever, you know, I mean, pornography is probably the epidemic of epidemics right now mm-hmm. among men and growing among women. And, you know, you've counseled people, you, you know what that's like where they come to you and it's like, this is who I am. Uh, this is what I feel like my identity is in. Like they're, they're mm-hmm. caught up in so much in believing that lie. Like all I can do is cover with these fig leaves. And the idea that the gospel of grace comes and it, it doesn't deny that the problem is real, mm-hmm. but it also says, hey, there's one better, there's one greater, there's one who can take that nakedness and, and clothe you again. And ultimately, we will be reclothed in new bodies, you know, one day, but we have that opportunity here on this earth to have this glorious moment of God is working in me even now. Mm-hmm. He, he's, it's not just some future thing that's going to happen. Like he loves me right here and now. 
he's changing my heart and it's just a glimpse of what it's going to be in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that, that illustration. I've, I've been meditating on that very thing. And so mm-hmm. uh, that's why I was so glad when you, when you brought this topic up and I wanted so badly to, <laughs> to have you on and just discuss it. Cause I'm like, man, it's like the Lord is doing the same thing. And it's yeah. just like to be able to hear that, that work um, going on in your life and, and, what God is using you to speak to others. It's, it's encouraging. I mean, just so much of this is identity issues, which is really mm-hmm. the, the biggest issue. The root of all of our problems is we have gotten away from the fact that we're image bearers created in the image of God. Yeah. We've decided to craft ourselves in whatever image we want to be. And, and so we, we tend to call that like idolatry. Mm-hmm. Like we, we worship really what we really want in this life. And in first Corinthians chapter six, Paul, uh, after kind of talking about this issue of lawsuits goes into this really strange section. Almost you feel it and you're like, he talks about those who won't inherit the kingdom of God. And he's definitely got a point that's flowing into mm-hmm. trust me with, with that. Like, don't let these guys judge you, bro. Um, you should have those that are in the church. They should be the ones that are holding these trivial cases. That's a whole nother side but note. It, like, but at like first glimpse, you're like, yeah, well, huh? <laughs> I was like, what in the world, Paul, you are a little weird right now. Um, but one of the things that he does in there is he doesn't, describe the sin that they do he actually um basically is describing this personhood that they bought into mm-hmm. you know these people he's not saying um adultery and then list what adultery is he says the adulteress will mm. not inherit the kingdom of god he says those that are thieves not those that uh, not what thieving is but those who have taken on this personhood yeah. and and this is really where the hope of the gospel um meets our lives because our sin, our guilt, our shame becomes the identity that we live out. And as you've said a couple of times here this evening is then that becomes the mantra of this is my life, accept me. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, we're going to have a lot of problems with one another. Yeah. You just have to embrace me for who this is. And God says you are starting on a faulty premise because I declare who I am. And we've got to get back to God's terms telling us who we are how we're to be, the purpose in life, mm-hmm. the purpose for marriage, the purpose for love, the purpose for sex, the purpose for children, the purpose for... Instead, we've so bought into pop culture and their views and values on all those things. And we've just sort of said, these are going to be our definitions too, so we'll be accepted and liked. But we're actually on two separate playing fields. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when we say, I'm going to submit to the Lord and his ways. And so what we get out in that is there is this identity crisis in our culture. Mm-hmm. There's identity crisis in humanity is really what it's at. And we believe we are the things that we do. Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. I, I, it's sort of, this is an inferior analogy, uh, but <laughs> I love inferior the, analogies yeah, as all analogies are. <laughs> they always fall apart at some point, but I, I think of the, the movie, the matrix, you know, I remember when that came out, I was in high school and I hadn't seen a single commercial for it. And I go and see this movie and I was like, there's a lot of interesting, weird spiritual parallels going on here. But the one that always gets me is when they actually wake up, they had no idea that they were ever asleep. You know, they had, and you know, they're not believers. The people who made the movies are, you know, not anywhere near that, but they seem to draw in these concepts and something I, I believe that ends up happening is like, it's in the heart of all of us that God puts that eternity type of thing in there. And we're all like trying to solve this problem where we don't have all the puzzle pieces 
but we know something's not right. And, you know, we are much like that where our identity, you know, to everyone who is asleep in the matrix, they think this is, this is real. This is as real as it's ever going to be. This is 100% who I am. And they have no idea that they're actually slaves. Mm -hmm. And this is where, you know, when we look at the world and we see people who, whatever the identity is, and it doesn't have to be sexual identity. It can be your career. It can be your children. It can be your pets. Fatherhood. (laughs) It can be fatherhood. It can be parenthood, whatever. Yeah. And instead you're like, you, you're literally looking for something to give you life that was never designed to supply your deepest need of life. And you, what you end up doing is sucking life from the things that you're actually meant to cultivate, you know, and, and give grace and give the gospel to. Um, so yeah, I good. This was, this was good. Yeah. Really good. <laughs> you had something else to say. Uh, there, I, I just going to say it kind of, it kind of plays into this idea that if we're all image bearers and we reject the image, we're actually supposed to bear, which is God, we inevitably then image something else yeah. and it tends to be one another. And it's no coincidence that like after the fall of humanity, uh, you instantly see violence and persecution and you see, you know, uh, Lamech taking two wives. This mm-hmm. is just uh, all this goes from bad to worse. Yeah. From, from bad to worse. And they're, they're just kind of imaging one another. And, and the reality is, is that better image needs to break forth into our lives. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's something to always keep in mind, especially when it comes to this idea of guilt and shame. Like, yeah, again, we get it with guilt. Christ did it. Cool. That has been beat into our heads, but with shame, um, rather than saying I am the fallout of whatever sin I participated in, and I'm going to continue to image that it's to say, I'm an image bearer of Christ and I'm going to reflect that image. Mm-hmm. And he is actually the one that's able, the power outside of us to change us to, to live in that capacity in that way. Yeah. I, I know personally myself, like as when I am walking and trusting in that, like I, I almost have that doubt where it's like, it can't be that simple, Yeah. but it's, it's like, it's the most complex, simple thing ever. Like it's not easy but it is simple. It's, yes. it's simply like, so you're telling me I just rest and I just trust in this, right? No, 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 that doesn't, I can't, that can't be it. I got to do something. Right. So we, that's where we always go. We always default back to like works and the law or guilt and shame. And you know, when, but the, the most victory I think I've ever had in my life, the most peace, the, the greatest joy has come in that, like, you mean he really loves me regardless of how I am regard like, and not, not that that means, Oh, I'm going to go and just do whatever I want. Actually it it moves me and changes me to be like, wow, you mean I can be that? Like, because he's made me that, that, Mm -hmm. wow, what an amazing blessing and truth that I can just embrace this, receive it. So, well, I'm really glad you came on the show. Thanks for having me. I have a feeling this will be the first of uh, many. I, I, I hope, hope so, right? And uh, yeah, we we really enjoy uh, when it, we can have guests, and you are the very first guest. So that's pretty epic. Yeah, you know you, that you get to wear that title. You know, you <laughs> put that on a resume. <laughs> Let's hope you don't need to put it on a resume anytime soon, though. Yeah, I'm trying not to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, well. We are really glad that you guys listened. And uh, if you guys would like to reach out, you can contact us at feedback at alloflifeshow.com or uh, at uh, at all of life show 
on Instagram. Same for Twitter. Facebook.com slash all of life show. Pretty much all of the things, you know, anywhere you want to find us. You can also listen to the show on YouTube on the all of life show channel. Also, we appreciate when you guys reach out and you leave feedback on the Apple Podcasts uh, app and let us know what you think. Uh, We really appreciate your reviews. Let us know how we can do better. And uh, as I often joke, let us know before you leave a negative review. (laughs) But uh, yeah, we really appreciate that and that you took the time. And it's such a blessing to have you guys listening to us. So until next time, God bless. Bye. Bye.